Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. That's good when God's presence shows up, isn't it? So if you're, if you're newer here this morning, so you might be like, man, that, we sang for a long time. And we absolutely did. When God's presence is moving, we don't rush it. And, uh, and then sometimes uh, God just doesn't want to be a part of our worship at all. So, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. But uh, when, when you, we just don't, you know, and you can say God's presence was just heavy and thick in this place this morning. Man, I love that. I love when God just makes himself known. Now, if you're, if you're not as uh, charismatic, you're like, God's presence is always the same. And I would say, yeah, that's, God's presence is always there. I'll give you that one. But the intensity or the heaviness of his presence, that adjusts. And we see that in Scripture, right? That changes over time. And if you're like, I, I, okay, well, I don't know. What I would tell you is if you're married or you've been around somebody who's married, just Hang out for a little bit. See if both people are fully present all the time. <laughs> now, that being said, it's not that God isn't always fully present with us. He is, uh, but he makes himself known to us in different ways more and less at different times. And there's always a purpose in all of it. But I love those times where we could just be in God's presence, remain there. And we didn't do anything for it. That wasn't in the plans. It wasn't like, let's hang out and worship. Just God shows up, and we're so grateful. That's why we show up. We don't show up because church is just a good thing to do. We show up because we are here to meet with God, lift his name up, and encounter him in that order. <laughs> and hopefully that's what happens for you here in this place when we gather. This morning we're continuing the series, The Remnant. And that series today, I had something different in mind for the message. And, you know, God often just kind of, Veers back, and we're going back to the scripture we talked about last week, and and we'll we'll unpack that more from a different angle. But the idea of the remnant, it's a, it's a scriptural idea. It's about a group of believers, a group of passionate followers of of Christ, of the one true God, who hold on to Him when it's tough, when it's brutal, when many fall away. We hold on to what's true, what we believe, what the Bible says, and who God is. When a lot of people are leaving right now, especially in the last 18 months, but definitely in the last probably 10 plus years, we've watched an exponential fallout in what I would call the Western and American church from Orthodox Christianity, or another way of saying that is biblical Christianity, the God of the Bible, the one true God. And we've begun to make a religion of our own making in many places. We've begun to say, well, the Bible didn't mean that, it meant this. And then we just try and erase it or ignore it. Well, the Bible didn't mean that, we just mean this. I was listening uh, to an interesting podcast. This is a great podcast. Any podcast listeners in here? If so, you should subscribe to Thrive Church right now. Um, and, uh, but uh, but uh, there's a great podcast um, from, a, from a woman who used to be in a, a famous little Christian trio called Zoe Girl. Anybody here way back Zoe Girl fans? Yeah, I wasn't, but good for you. Yeah, it'd be weird if I was. 
And yet I saw them in concert. That's another story. I won't go into it. Okay. Yeah, my wife was there. It's not weird. Um, uh, some of you are like, were you 10? I wish. No. I was well into my 20s, and I'm not that weird. So uh, they were like this trio pop girl group. But she, one of the girls from it has a podcast now called Alyssa Childers Podcast. Really good. And she actually talks about her story of basically kind of being dissuaded out of Orthodox Christianity and living and, and following into what she would call progressive Christianity, which is no longer Orthodox or biblical Christianity. It's something else. And it's slowly erasing at the Bible. And, and sometimes it's a large swaths and sometimes it's little sections, but it's eliminating the God of the Bible, the God that we believe in, the Jesus that walked the earth. The, the actual, and we can prove this stuff. If you're ever wondering, uh, well, I don't believe the Bible, okay, but we can actually prove this stuff. There's actually more proof in antiquity about all of the events of the Bible than nearly almost anything else in world's history. Now, if you're like, I don't believe you, come and see me. I will talk you through it. I will get you to the documents that prove it. It's not, it's not just me uh, spouting stuff off. But anyway, they're saying on this podcast, one of the things is the, when the guy says, you know, uh, well, Jonah was just a story, or creation's just a story, or maybe it didn't mean that. And that's what a progressive Christianity does, or, or, or just uh, philosophy or or universities that supposedly teach this stuff, but they don't really teach the belief of the Bible. And he said, the problem with that is there's some Christians, anybody here ever meet a Christian who's like, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't know if I believe in everything else about the Bible. Don't point, just raise your hand. Okay, okay, right? Okay, the problem is Jesus believed that stuff. Jesus talked about Jonah like he was a real person. Jesus talked about creation as if it happened. So you cannot, and, and what's to say if you're like, well, I believe in Jesus, just not the other stuff, then what's to say you're not going to begin to erase Jesus and the things that he did? Thomas Jefferson, now a brilliant man and one of our founding fathers, also believed this kind of thing in a very deceptive way. He, he wrote of his own version of the Bible. If you start writing your own version of the Bible, you're off. <laughs> you're not on the right road. But he writes his own version of the Bible in an attempt to eliminate anything miraculous and take away just the philosophy. But here's the deal. The knowledge of God without the power of God isn't God. It is destructive to the soul. And there's another thing. That's, that's like saying the truth of God without God's grace. Part of God's power is his grace. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is truth and grace. The truth is we could spend a year on this subject. We're not gonna. Maybe the sermon will feel like it, but we're not gonna. But truth and grace, they are inseparable in the heart of God. We live in a time and a place and a world that tries to separate that out, especially in the church. Now, there are people who are like, yeah, I hate all those truth people like they just beat me up with the truth all the time I can't stand that and I get that but I don't think that's most of our problem today at least in the more evangelical main you know mainstream bible believing church I think our problem over the last 20 years and you know this if you've been here a little while is I think we've gone so heavy into grace we've forgotten a lot about truth 
Now, that's not true for everybody. For some people, they're still, they just want to take the law, find somebody, and chop their head off with it. Right? There are, those people still exist. They're out there. They're not so much here. If you're like, are they here? Not too much. No. We, we, we're not a church like that, thankfully. Um, not that we, we can't fall, but we're not too much that church. But then the other end, the grace end that says just, hey, Jesus, so I could do anything I want. Woo! That's not getting the gospel of grace. And that's, that's without truth. That's, that's truthless. Grace doesn't say I can now abound in sin, as Paul says. Grace gives me the power to become free from it. It doesn't make, it doesn't make me completely sinless, but it gives me the power to sin less. That's what it does. And so we're now living in this time to stay in the room, to stay to stay in the moment, to stay what we believe and not move on it. We're in a, we're in a holy moment like that that says, I'm not going to lose the love of God and I'm not going to lose the truth of God because they're inseparable. Okay, things we don't move on. It's a good time to know about and hear again about things we don't move on. Some of you are like, I don't want to hear about that. I want to hear about the 27 prophecies in this book and what they all mean. And you know what? That's not bad. And the time, I don't know what 27, that was just a number I threw out there. But um, I think it's time to shore up foundations as well as, as understand mysteries of God. Because this is a time, storms are here and storms are going to keep coming. A strong foundation is crucial. It's not bad to go back to what we believe and why we believe it. And grace and truth are one of those things that we can't let go of. We can't move on. So, so to give you a story, and some of you may have heard this before, a couple years ago we went to Branson, Missouri for a vacation. And uh, we're going again this year, looking forward to it. And, uh, and, and we, we went to, my wife and I went to a timeshare opportunity. <laughs> but we went to the opportunity because uh, we... Uh, I was just like, we are buying nothing, we are getting nothing, none of this, I want free money, and then we leave, <laughs> right? But if you know anything about it, you've got to go through it to get the free stuff, right? Anybody ever been through that? Some of you are like, seven, and I have 12 timeshares, <laughs> right? Um, if so, we would love to help you out by buying a week. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, but. But we went, and we went, and it's so, so funny. I swear, I, it was either buy a timeshare or sign up for Scientology. It was one of those, because <laughs> that's how it felt. It felt like you can't lose. Welcome home. <laughs> you know, it just was creepy. And, the, you know, the nicest, the nicest decorations, like, can we get you anything? A fatted calf sacrificed to the god Molech? No, I'm good. And, and we sat through the thing. They take us to the table. And, and I got to tell you, it was the one. One time in my life, I, there was no grace. It was all truth. And I laid it down hard. Like, nope, nope, nope. For what? We had to be there, I think, two hours flat, right? Two hours beginning to end. And you're with that person for 90 minutes. They do 30-minute intro of like, you're going to make so much money. Why? By buying this. How? Magic. Yeah, that's what, that's what they're going to tell you. Like, oh, you're going to just have the best time. And, and it... 
you know, I, we just slammed the, the guy down hard. And uh, My wife was nice. I was not. <laughs> just, and I kid you not, was it the last, like, 20 minutes? Just dead silence at the table. Nothing. <laughs> this guy stopped. He knew it was done. I wasn't having it, etc. We got to the table. We got our free cash, and we walked out, and it was amazing, right? It was a moment where we do not move, right? There is nothing that can be said. And I now, I have been around. I've been around the U.S. quite a bit. I've been to numerous other countries. And Branson, Missouri is a special time warp of timeshares. <laughs> Anybody here ever been there, seen that? Man, it is everywhere. I've never seen so many timeshares in one place. Now, I've not been to Florida that much. Maybe Florida beats it. But just everywhere. And then, and then billboard after billboard about need a lawyer to get out of a timeshare. <laughs> and so these are the moments you're like, I really don't think I want this. And we, we got away. And it was God's goodness, you know. And, and we enjoyed the free money. And we left. But it was a moment. And I felt great about that. This day, I feel great about it. You know, just like, were we kind of mean to him? I said, you know what? There's, there's nothing wrong with looking at a liar and saying no. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what he's chosen to do with his life, let him reconcile that with God. That, now, if you sell timeshares for a living, we're so glad you're here. And uh, <laughs> you are loved. And uh, my answer is I've got to be no. So <laughs> um, if we go into Scripture... I want to go back to that verse we were at last week. Paul is talking to the Roman church. And the Roman church is a very diverse group of people. It is some Jewish people. It is some, it is, is, it is some Roman people. And it's some, some other nations. All in this new, young, passionate church. It's, it's diverse. It's different. It's unique. Some of them are wondering, like, hey, is that, can you, can you, can you follow Jesus and still be Jewish? You know, because they're like, yeah, Jesus kind of blew that up in some ways. Like, can, is it different? Is it, is it the same? Whatever. What can we do? And so Paul's trying to teach this church, like, and one of the things he's teaching in this moment in this scripture is, hey, yes, you can be Jewish and follow Jesus. Of course you can. That's ridiculous. See, this Jesus thing was new to them. And they're a new young church on top of it. So it's a new movement and a new church. They haven't figured this stuff out yet. For us, we're like, isn't that racist? And the answer would be, yes, it is. <laughs> okay, that was racist. All right, but they didn't know. Okay, they hadn't arrived like we have now where we know all things of all, about all races and nationalities. But back then, okay, now uh, we haven't. That was a joke. Okay, so, so moving on. In, in this scripture, he's trying to tell them, and, and he hearkens back to a scripture in the Old Testament where Elijah confronts the prophets of Baal, sees God do a great work, they wipe out these prophets of Baal, and then King Ahab and his wife Jezebel basically send out a hit on Elijah saying, we're going to kill him. And Elijah goes running, and Paul's quoting that scripture. So Romans chapter 11, verses 2 through 6. God has not rejected his people he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they've killed your prophets, they've demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who've not bowed the knee to Baal. So too at the present time there's a remnant chosen by grace for it is by if it is by grace it is no longer on the basis of works 
Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Let me tell you a little something about Baal, okay? Baal was a storm god to the Canaanite people. And he was not a good god, okay? You got to realize the God of the Bible and the God of the Old Testament, very different than all the worship in ancient Near East. Very different. The only monotheistic God ever in that time. It was weird to have one God. It was like, are you poor? Do you not have enough for more than one God? You just have the one? And Baal was, was one of his many gods. Baal was the God, he was like a God of fertility. So what they would do, this is about to get PG, all PG-13 up in here. Okay, I'm sorry. My son's 13 today, so he can hear that today. It's his golden birthday, Andrew, 13. Woo, give it up. So I'm going to let him stay this morning. All right. So Elijah prophesies there's going to be drought. And, and this is a God of fertility for the land and for the people. So for Elijah to say there's going to be a drought was a direct affront against Baal. Like, you're, you're saying Baal's not over the rain that, that your God is? And he's like, yep, that's what's going to happen. And that is what happened. There was a drought. Man, I wouldn't want to prophesy that. I wouldn't want to be like, you sure you want me to say that, God? Because if, if you don't do this, I'm going to look really stupid. And Baal's going to look really good. But he was so much a God of fertility that people over the years, they would even sacrifice their children to him. And there were other gods in the Old Testament that happened with as well. They would, they would take their children and walk them into fire and burn them alive as a way of worshiping because they thought, if I give up my firstborn kid, my, the thing that made us fertile, then this God of fertility will now bless us. How messed up is that? Right? But the God of the Bible said, we don't do that. If you think God is, God is not compassionate, God was the God who said to the people of the Old Testament, you know, when you hear the argument about like the God of the Old Testament is cruel and mean, compare him to all the other gods in the Old Testament. There is no comparison. Our God is merciful, kind, compassionate, loving, and justice. None of us would let somebody walk into our house, into our people, and kill our firstborn and be like, we just need to understand them. And God didn't either. God said, you're wrong, and I won't let it stand. And he sends Elijah. And he says, we're going to tell this, tell this broken God, it ain't working. But then when all that happens, all this goes down, God does all this stuff, and it's amazing. But the problem is, Elijah's left kind of feeling like I'm holding the bag, and now they're going to kill me for it. Hey, I delivered your word, Lord. Now they're going to kill me. Yay! That's, that's the response. That's not good. I don't want to do God's will and then be like, and now you're going to die. But sometimes that may be what happens. Thankfully, not yet. <laughs> right? And so what, what happens? What, what happens in this moment? In this moment, God comes and speaks to Elijah and he says, Hey, you are not alone and there is a remnant. I am telling you, when you feel like, how many of you scroll during the week and you're like, oh, why is the world so messed up? Anybody? The rest of you just don't own smartphones? You've stuck with the, stuck with the flip phone, have you? Good for you. They still offer those plans? Right? 
I remember my flip phone, the first one I got, somebody thought it was a calculator. <laughs> and, right, we scroll, but look around you. Almost everybody around you, right, you're the remnant. You're the people who believe that God is who he says he is. His word is still true. Jesus died for me. He still changes lives. You are not alone. The next moment in the next week when you're losing your mind and you're like, it's all falling apart, you are part of a remnant and you're not alone. And neither was Elijah. And here's the best part, and this is the truth of it. The truth is, that is not by our works. It is by God's grace. God's grace preserves his church. Years ago, there was a ministry um, and I won't say the name because I don't want to. I don't want to bash ministries and stuff. But it was a teen ministry, and they had put a book, and there was a giant tour. But the whole premise of the book was: if we don't save this generation, there won't be any more Christians in the next generation. And that's where I was like, oh wait, what? Because <laughs> it's all fired up, and they could fill stadiums, and they got the best speakers and bands. But I was like, I don't. I don't think that that works. Because here's why, Matthew 16, 18. This is Jesus talking to Peter. And he says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Leave that scripture up for just a second. So you're like, oh, so Peter's the rock. No, 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 there's two different words there. There's two different Greek words. Upon this, he says, Now I say to you, Peter, which means Petros, Okay, I've renamed you Peter. You are a rock, Peter. But on this rock is Petra, meaning the cornerstone, Jesus, the center. Peter, you are a rock, but I am the rock. And I am building my church, and the hell will never defeat it. God's grace is bigger than government, God's grace is bigger than sin. God's grace is bigger than our doubt. God's grace is bigger than our struggle. God's grace, has there been generations that it seems like there was nobody who believes this thing? There has, but obviously that's not true. How do I know? Look around. That's how I know. The church is still here. It's been 2,000 years. And it's not been an easy 2,000 years for the church. There's been a lot of things that have happened in 2,000 years. There's been things like, you know, being fed to lions, right? I would think that would end the movement. Like, you could stay a Christian, you could, you could be eaten by a lion. Simba may chomp you out, right? That's, that may be a thing that happens. You know what? Usually, that's usually like, I'm out. Here's my card. I'm good. Let's find something else. But they didn't. And years went on, other things happened, right? The church got corrupt. The church has been corrupted numerous times. The Spanish Inquisition was the church. They invented horrible ways of torture and murder. Horrible things. In the name of Jesus. You know what? That's a moment usually people are like, hey, you know what? If this is your leadership, I'm out. It's happened now, right? Catholic priests and numerous other, even church leaders, evangelical, and I don't, I'm not singling out Catholics. It's happened in, in many mainline and, and denominational churches too of molest, incest, whatever, horrible things. And a lot of people are like, I'm out. If this is your leadership, I'm out. But here's the thing. There's always a remnant. And that remnant is the one that says I've been preserved by God and I'm holding on to Jesus. 
I'm not holding on to the priest. I'm not holding on to the pastor. I'm not. I'm holding on to Jesus, and He's holding on to me. I'm in on Him. And it's not even, even, I like what they said actually in the podcast. It's not about even being evangelical. First, side note, the whole white evangelical thing that's kind of, they're putting out right now, that's just a way to marginalize people who believe the Bible and the gospel. Don't buy it, don't believe it, throw it out. Moving on. Back in. It's not about being evangelical. It's not about, it's about being believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we believe. Put whatever label on it you want or take away any label you want. We believe in Jesus. We believe he's the one true God. He lived, died, rose again, a sinless life, and he's coming back. And in the meantime, we live by his spirit and directed by his word. And we're going to see him move on the earth. And that is by grace. We have got to stop being a people who, who when warnings come, we feel hopeless. Let God warn you without losing your joy. Let trouble come without falling apart. We have to get there, church. And I'm talking to myself big time. Stuff has to hit the fan and we don't burn the house down. We've made careers out of writing books and seminars and churches and movements on fear. And that is not the kingdom of God. We are held together by grace all the time. We can be angry. I get righteously angry at a lot of stuff that happens against God and his kingdom and his church. I do. And I used to be somebody that said, you know what's wrong with the church, dot, dot, dot. You know what? The only thing I think that's wrong with the church is the church bashing the church. Stop. I'm done with it. It's not cool anymore. It was cool 20 years ago. Now it's boring. Move on. And more than that, grow up. I love you. I'm for you. I'm on your side. And I've been there. And then I grew up because it just got old and tired. Me complaining about the church never did a thing for it. But moving on, more than that, I'm complaining about the one that God says, I've got my grace on that. I don't want to be the one found like... You know what, I, have you ever complained about somebody's kid and then you found out their parent heard about it? You ever done that? You and that parent aren't friends anymore, right? <laughs> right? Like, we're done. You, you and I, we're out. It's over. Why? Because you talked about their kid. You ever done that with somebody's spouse? Hey, man, I love you. I can't stand your wife. <laughs> yeah, them's fighting words. <laughs> you and I. If you stay up, we're not staying friends, right? <laughs> that's, that's if I'm nice to you. If you're not nice to my wife, I probably won't be nice to you. It's not because I don't love you, but in that moment, I probably don't love you. <laughs> right? Because that's the deal. Yeah, like, it, it's, just, it's just, and we complain about the church who God is in covenant with and his grace is on. Stop. We've got to stop. We've got to start building the church up and saying what she's doing right, what she can be. If God believes that, why don't we? I'm pretty sure he does because we're still here and he didn't rewrite the word of God. That's the end. <laughs> He's coming back for a pure and spotless bride, which means we're only getting better. Some of us are like, I want to be like the book of Acts. You are closer to the t 
to the bride Jesus is returning for than they were. Did you ever think about that? God wants to move greater. Not just like them. Better. More. Now. I want to see God. I don't want to see what God did in Acts. I want to see what God wants to do now. I want to be better than what the book of Acts was. Because that's what my Bible says we're supposed to be. Some are like, whoa, I don't, I don't, that, that freaks me out. Why are you saying that? The book of Acts, the book of Acts was amazing. I love it. But Jesus didn't return in Acts. And if it says he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride, we're supposed to get better. We're supposed to see greater things than even they saw. Why aren't we? Well, let's just start with leaning into grace and forget the complaining. Even against culture. Realize, man, I'm not happy about what's happening in culture. But realize God is working. God is moving. Some of the criticism, I don't see God moving. I don't see him doing anything. Okay? I don't see surgeons operating right now. But that doesn't mean it's not happening on the earth. They're not in here, thank God. (laughs) Right? Which would be a weird church. Um... Another people thing people say, believe God's not working, I don't see his grace at work, is, 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 is a criticism like, um, how could God allow, give me something, how could God allow what? How could God allow death? Thank you. Absolutely. I don't know. I won't even pretend to know. My response to that, and I wrote this like a week ago, my response to that is, Do you honestly believe that your viewpoint is the ultimate vantage point of all things? I'm not arguing it's not tragedy. I know tragedy. My my wife and I, we know tragedy. We know death. We get it. And I don't have an answer for it. And I've stopped trying to find it. Because it never brought me peace. Brought me pain. The things that brings me peace is not saying why, God. It's saying here. Here, God. Saying I trust you because I know I don't have the viewpoint and the vantage point you do. And what I do know is the Bible says every death, every life, every sin, every bit of brokenness, he will make it all right again. We struggle now with what has happened here and now. Because we're only seeing right here. But a God who's eternal sees the scope of all things. But one thing we're forgetting is he's going to make all of that horrific stuff right again. Resurrection didn't just happen on Easter. It's happening now. It's happening in my heart. And it will happen when he returns. Every wrongful death will be undone. Every one. There is someday... 10,000, 100,000 years from now, whenever Jesus returns, none of us will look back with the pain we experience and taste now. And we forget that. Why? Because we forget to see grace. We are people who easily get off grace and become very lawful, but the remnant lives by grace. 
there was a great movement in the church in like, the, really from like the 40s on, great moves of God, really the last hundred plus years. And it, it was birthed out of like the holiness movement. Great, the whole Pentecostal charismatic thing, people speaking in tongues, getting healed, all that stuff. And it was awesome. But the problem was, it kept getting away from grace all the time. And I believe about 20 years ago, God said, we're resetting. Maybe even 30 years ago. And the church leaned back into grace. And that's beautiful. But now we're kind of, again, like I say, we're going the other way. But we as believers, when we're on the inside, we forget about grace often. We forget that God is good. He loves us. He's on our side. He's with us. And he's not going to leave. He's not going anywhere. The problem is we make the mistake of keep thinking that it's about us. That our level of performance, our level of belief, our vested interest, our, our serving enough makes God do X. Classic phrase, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. It is Jesus, period. There's a, there was a revivalist in the 1800s, uh, John Alexander Dowie. We have a picture of him. He looks kind of funny. He looks like, uh, he looks like the... Like the Pope and Santa had a baby. <laughs> if you don't know, anybody here ever been to Zion, Illinois? Anybody here? Northern suburb? He founded that town. And he founded that town in an effort to try and create this hyper-Christian community. Now, God used, used John Alexander Dowie tremendously. He saw a massive amount of salvations, incredible divine healings, like People up out of wheelchairs, walking, losing crutches, delivered from disease and death. But the problem was, as time went on, he began to think that he was somehow this reincarnation of John the Baptist or Elijah, and he had to then lead the way to this new movement. And here's the problem. And not just, and some of you are like, that's crazy. And I would say, yes, yes it is. <laughs> that is crazy. But you know what else it is? It's a complete, like, complete lack of grace. God moving wasn't on Dowie, and he lost his ministry, he lost his life, and he lost his mind because he made it about something other than God's goodness and grace. When you make your walk about you, when you make the impact, some of you, you're just like, you can't misstep with your kids. If I don't do this with my kids, and I, I, I got to make sure they do this, and they go to that school, and if they don't go, and they got to keep these grades, because if they don't keep these grades, then they gotta, I got to make sure they're up by this time, that, that, that they get the right amount of protein, in, but not too many grams, because if they, and no gluten for them, because it, then they could be demon-possessed, and then we just go, like, you just go down the line. And here's the di- thing, be great parents, be, be, be as honest as you need to be, give your kids your best. But you need to realize you are not in control. I have met the best parents with kids who just walked away from Jesus forever. And I have met the worst parents whose kids became ablaze for the things of God. You, as parents, as people of God, need to lean into grace. and Cut yourself some slack. How many of you don't show yourself the grace that God shows you? And in that moment, are you really being like Jesus? If God shows you grace, why don't you?
If God picks you up when you fall, why don't, why don't you let him? That's the God of grace. The God who loves you and is for you. If you're in sin or in law, you cannot be in grace. If you're under a heavy load, like if I could just get here, you aren't under grace. If I just got to that place, what place? The only place to get to is Calvary, the foot of the cross, the empty tomb. That's the place we all need to keep getting to. Say, man, oh, I want to get to Pentecost Sunday. You don't get to Pentecost without an empty tomb. I want, I want all of it. I want the Spirit of God resting on me, in me, the resurrected Christ resurrecting me, and that's where I want to stay. He's holding on to you. There's another side to it, and I'm probably going to save it for next week. What about those who wouldn't bow their knee to Baal? That's the other side. That's the truth side. I think I'm going to hold on to that one for next week. Why? Because I don't want to work this week. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But next week we're going to talk about what does it mean to not bow the knee. And I think that's a great thing for Father's Day. You know, I don't know if you know this, but typically, statistically, and, and this has also been our experience, do you know Mother's Day is one of the most full days in churches across the country, and Father's Day is the most empty? Man, that is so messed up. It's not because men are like, oh, I want to sleep in, and moms don't like to sleep. Moms like to sleep. Am I right, moms? That's it? That's all I get? Nothing? Nothing? That's weak. I'd like to be the church that says, Father's Day, we are the most full we are any day of the year. Because the men in our God, uh, men of God in our church have said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm hungry for the things of God on the day that, you know, we celebrate fathers, I'm celebrating my father. And I will example it to my family. But as for this week, grace. Do me a favor. Close your eyes where you're at. And I want you to take a second. I want you to breathe in grace. And just begin to breathe out the hopelessness maybe you're feeling. The discouragement. The weight of business of your kids' futures, of divorce, of tragedy, of the sin in your past, of not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring, of a lack of healing. There's somebody in this place today, you long, God, why won't you heal this? two things. First, the Lord would say, I am and I will. And second, in the meantime, my grace is sufficient. You know that word sufficient when Paul prays that prayer, he prayed God, heal me, heal me, heal me. He was dealing with some kind of an ailment and God shows up to Paul. Now Paul has seen the dead raised, which is better than I can say. 
And God shows up and he says, hey, I'm not going to heal that Paul, but my grace is going to be sufficient. And I always think, sufficient, that, that seems like just enough, but that's not what the word means. It's a bad translation. It means an overabundance to take care of you and hold you together. So if you're like, God, I don't have an answer, grace, relax, you don't need it. And until you do, God is good and he loves you. Until there's a breakthrough, God is good and he loves you and he will continue to hold you. He promises I'll never leave. I'm enough. Say, I've never overcome this thing. And don't get me wrong. We don't believe in cheap grace here where we get to live in sin perpetually and willfully all our days. But we do believe in a God who walks with us in our struggle and our pain and our trial. And he's like, and it's okay. And it's all right if it takes some time. We'll get you there. How many of us, if our kids were in a race, we'd cheer on the ones who were fast and strong and finished first. And the kid who kid of ours who was missing a leg and the kid of ours who, who was in a wheelchair and their, their wheels broke would we not go to them hold them, pick them up and say I will get you across that line I am with you I will not quit that is your father's heart for you it's full of grace full of grace for you full of mercy full of compassion for you let your heart be filled with his compassion and love for you today do you honestly believe that God of the universe is actually for you because he actually is and the reason we need to be reminded is because we forget we live in a very graceless world a very ungraceful, unforgiving, repenting forever but never being released from it, sinful world. But not our God. And I need to say one more thing. As you stand together, I need to say one more thing. There's somebody here today, and I don't know what it is, you believe God has never forgiven you for whatever X is, whatever this thing is. You need to hear me. You're wrong. God has forgiven you. God will forgive you. You are forgiven. He does not see you as your sin. He sees you like his son and daughter. I heard a really good message from... uh, pastor this week and he said we need to stop the idea of always serving God and start son and daughtering God be free be filled with grace and covered in it and when you are you're able to give it to other people when you don't feel the weight of the world on you you don't put it on others and who want that for you today? You're like, oh, I miss, I wish I would have got that done. I wish I would have done this. I needed to do that. And you know what? Yeah, and if you if you did something wrong, repent, ask God for forgiveness, and move forward. Be covered in God's grace. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you this week. May you encounter the grace of God. May the remnant spirit of grace be on you that he is holding me. 
that I am held in his righteous right hand and his hands are strong. His power is mighty and his grace will never let me go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.